I'm always putting constant stress on my body, which is why I decided to try mud water. And it has been a game changer in regard to mental focus. The blend of adaptogenic mushrooms, cordyceps, and lion's mane all support focus, physical performance, and are great for the immune system. Now, these aren't the hallucinogenic type of mushrooms, but I do like that mud water gives back to the Berkeley Center for the Science of Using Psychedelics to help treat individuals with mental health disorders. Go to mudwater.com, that's M-U-D-W-T-R, use code CAM for 15% off your first order. Hoyt Archery has been my bow hunting sponsor since 2005. And personally, I really don't care what bow you shoot, what brand it is. I just hope that you have the same level of confidence in your equipment as I have in mine. Because I know if I get one opportunity with my Hoyt, it's going to pay off. Every step I take, I move my truth. Every time they tell me stop, I use. Every comment, hate that makes my feel. Gather up my energy and boom. I hear them talking, saying the way that I move is so reckless. That is a part of my mind I've been blessed with. Giving my blood so I am relentless. All right, we're here with the Go Hunt guys, Trail and Brady. Welcome to the Keep Hammering Collective. Yeah, it's good Are, to be here. Yeah, I mean, this is an impromptu discussion because you guys, I mean, I can't tell you how thankful I am you guys came in for my Lift Run Shoot event. And, you know, you, pre, you gave presentations, four of them, talking about earning tags, getting tags, where to hunt, how to hunt opportunities for new bow hunters because a lot of the guys today were new bow hunters mm -hmm. so how did that go talking to everybody today it was honestly phenomenal yeah like you once you start talking to them you see people is instantly asking questions or they're taking photos of the presentation once they start taking photos like <laughs> yeah. okay we're doing something right even though we gave them a lot of information all, I, like, yeah. all hot and fast i mean it went good i had i had moments where i was like okay i, I thought i prepared maybe a half hour and i thought i was gonna leave brady another half hour and then i was like an hour and 10 minutes into it i'm like yeah. i'm definitely over prepared <laughs> the, the, the first one i think i talked 10 or 15 minutes yeah yeah, yeah. A, lot, a lot of talking though it was Tro good Tro should have prepped his presentation a little bit more yeah i did mine this yeah should i say i did mine this morning in the hotel i mean i i know i know the subject top to bottom but as right. far as like actually putting slides together and stuff i did it this morning but don't don't tell my boss but, but there's a lot of information though yeah. like you really have to explain it out there's so many different things that involve every single state and no state's the same everything's so complicated right and then you're trying to explain it to someone who might not ever hunted out west before yeah. like there's a big big learning curve definitely yeah. but, it's like i said i think you know we I definitely saw blank stares, you know, today. Yeah. I saw some guys that were just like, okay, this is maybe more than I more than I can take in. But, I mean, at the end of it, kind of the take-home message is, uh, you know, the Insider Tool, which, you know, we work for Go Hunt. We have this platform called Go Hunt Insider, which is essentially a research platform to help people draw permits mm -hmm. or pick up a permit over the counter. Um, and I just basically kind of told everybody, look, there's a lot of this information that you're probably not going to remember, but... Everything's within the platform and just, you know, bite off one piece at a time. Mm -hmm. So just start to chew at it, you know, as the state draw deadlines come up, you know, read the application strategy articles, just kind of pick and choose and just see if it makes sense for you and then just chew on it. Yeah. They're going to leave here. They got a lot of information, not just from you guys, but from everybody Yeah, and new guys. Some guys had never even shot a bow before, which I'm excited about because when I looked out to everybody, you know, you guys have been in the industry forever. And the industry can be, I mean, it's great sometimes. Sometimes it's like not great. Yep. But every person today, because they don't know that, hey, you're supposed to be like a tough, big, <laughs> badass hunter. You're supposed to act cool and not 
you know, not think other people are cool. Don't you know that? Mm -hmm. And they didn't know that they're like just enjoying every moment and just learning and like, Oh, this is incredible. Big smiles from everybody. How, how different is that? Isn't it so so different? It feels way different than me to me. Yeah. I mean, especially where I mean, I grew up in Southern Utah and I know, I mean, a lot of it, everybody I knew hunted, you know, growing up, all my buddies hunt. That's what we talk about when we run into each other Mm -hmm. at the gas station. Like everybody talks hunting. We're always talking hunting. We're always looking for, you know, the the biggest buck, biggest bull. We're Mm kind of having them, you know, dick measuring contest, if you will. And there is a lot of that in hunting. And today there wasn't a lot of that at all. It was just (laughs) like sponges. I know. know. And it was, that's kind of, you know, my focus, I'll be honest on this podcast, I haven't had hardly any hunters on. Mm. I've just had, and I don't know why. I mean, I don't know why. I'm trying to think, why have I not had any hunters on? So <laughs> it's just like, uh, I don't know. I think because I've talked to so many guys for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I, I'm glad you guys are here. And I wanted you guys, as soon as I, I knew you guys were coming, I'm like, you know what? If it can work out, I want to have them on the podcast. Because I feel like I've listened to some of the stuff you've done. I feel like you guys are fair. I don't feel like it's the dick measuring vibe. Mm. It feels like pretty helpful, pretty Mm. genuine. And I'm like, I like those guys, you know, and it's not, I can't, I'm not talking shit about anybody else. I don't really care, but I just don't even put energy into it anymore. And I did for a long time. You know, you work for Eastman's, you work in the industry. It's all about big animals and this and that. And it's like, it, I got burnt out on it. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I love hunting. I love everything. It's my life. I don't like the the drama part of hunting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I there's, mean, there's a lot of it too. <laughs> I mean, I live in the mecca of it, so I get mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but uh, Utah's full of that. Yeah, Utah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be honest. Yeah, Utah's full of it. Which I mean, it's okay. It is what it is. But it, it is refreshing to to just have a group of people that are. You know, brand new into. It. I got mm-hmm. a brother that's kind of a, an adult onset hunter. Like, yeah. you know, he's he's in his uh, what? He might be fifty at this point, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, lives in Idaho. Never hunted. He hunted a little bit when we were a kid, but mm-hmm. he's just kind of getting back into it, and just kind of like helping him and watching him go through that whole process, getting him set up with gear, watching him. He drew first drew his first elk tag this year, mm-hmm. right? Nice in, in Idaho. But like, it's kind of put the you know, perspective. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, yeah, I remember what this is all about. You know, yeah. it's, and, and I still feel that same way. I mean, every time I go out in the fall, that's like my time to just like just disconnect and kind of, you know, come back with some new perspective yeah. of, of what really, you know, I do love. Right. So I guess at the point I was starting to make is that the, my podcast has been, mm. I think a lot of hunters, we preach to the choir a lot, mm-hmm. you know, outdoor channel was, Hey, it's just hunters watching other hunters. Mm-hmm. We already got those guys. <laughs> so, so this is what I've done with lift run shoot and the podcast is like, we got the hunters. I, I, I know what people like to talk about. I know all that. I want to expose other people, other, you know, a- either athletes or actors or whatever to what, what I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and, lifestyle. Yeah. And that's what everybody today was. It's not, not the hardcore guys who have been doing it for a hundred years, but it's guys just fired up. They see something, they follow me online or whatever. They're like, Oh, I want to try this lift run shoot thing. And I want to know more about hunting that I mm-hmm. love that part. Mm-hmm. I love mm-hmm. the part because I feel like as a hunting community, we get pretty protective, right? Yep. I mean, I could probably be the worst when I hunted, you know, the wilderness 
I didn't want anybody to know where I was. If I saw a boot track, I'd be like, what the fuck? Who yeah. is back here? Yeah, the guys in the <laughs> office don't even know where I'm <laughs> Right. I, I, I literally lie all the time to people yeah. I work with and trust and talk to on a daily basis I know, of where I go. Because you know how it goes. It takes one person. Yep. Where I was hunting, it wasn't like, like I said, Oregon's not great. One guy can screw up the whole... You know, if you got basins on one side of the ridge, screw them all up, mm-hmm. you know? So I would just like, I don't want to see one person. I don't want anybody to know where I'm going. Nope. And it's, uh, so I get the protective part. I do. But at some point we need to be able to talk about hunting and outside and grow it. Yep. And, uh, you know, there's a big thing like, you know, Matt Rennell is a big one on, you know, um, wanting to yep. shut down social media and, mm-hmm. and thinks that the growth of hunting will hurt all of us. And, and I don't feel that way. I mm-hmm. mean, I don't feel that way. I understand. Like I just said, I, I understand. I don't want people to know where I hunt. I get it. Yep. It's a, it's a resource that we need to protect, but we also need to talk about why hunting is great mm-hmm. and why it's should be celebrated. Did you have a moment? I'm curious. Just, did you have a moment within hunting that flipped you as far as like, I need to do more to share this thing? Like, I'm just curious. Like, I think back, like, I don't know if it's age, like I'm in my forties at this point, Mm -hmm. but I feel like I've had, I've had moments in the woods, you know, hunting elk, uh, specifically where it's like this experience, it means so much to me. And I know what it's meant to me in my life that like, I would, I would feel like I just want more people to experience that same feeling. Mm -hmm. Like if they can feel that feeling you know, maybe they can find that moment for them and it'll bring some sort of like real meaningful something to them. You know, yeah. I don't know if it's purpose or not, but like, did you ever, you ever had a moment like that? Like, yeah. did you have it flip for you at some point? Be- before I was early on, I was very selfish. I feel like if somebody's was, killing something, it's like, I took a personal, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I wanted to kill something, yep. you know what I mean? Yep. So it was always competition. My whole life that people have said, you're too competitive. So that was really hard to let go of that. Mm-hmm. But once I got older, as you said, yeah, then I get to the place where, yeah, I've killed a bunch of stuff. It doesn't mean I don't want to kill anymore, mm-hmm. but what I enjoy almost as much as anything is taking new people hunting. Mm-hmm. You know, I took Kevin Costner's son hunting. He's, you know, busy doing other stuff. His son wanted to hunt. I'm like, I could go get him on a buck. That was, God, that was great. I took my my son who normally does this his army buddy he had never killed he from florida he'd never killed a, mm-hmm. a black tail so i took him rogan i love you know his first elk and his first bear was with me and it's just like i get as much enjoyment and sense of satisfaction from that than and it sounds cliche because people say they say stuff like this all the time, but I do truly feel just as happy yeah, when they kill because yeah. I was there and I can, I know what it means mm-hmm. killing, you know, killing that buck up there in the Steens in 1991, my third year of bow hunting changed everything for me. Mm-hmm. One animal, I killed something. It gave me confidence. I was like, wow. Yeah. And so if, as you said, if that impact can be had by somebody else, it's life changing. Mm-hmm. We yeah. should want to share that. Yeah. That's that's what it means to be a human and lift others up, right? Yep. I don't know. Yeah. No, I agree, man. You're spot on. I, yeah. I was curious because I feel the same way. I feel like I've had some moments where it just it was so impactful 
Um, you know, I did a like a 10 day solo elk hunt in New Mexico, irritable on day 10 by myself. Mm. Didn't see a person the, the entire 10 days. So awesome. just completely out there on my own. <laughs> yeah. I shot this bull and it was like this just overwhelming feeling of just like satisfaction. Like I'd done this thing that was just felt to me like virtually impossible. Mm-hmm. Like I just didn't think this could ever happen. And just same thing, like sense of confidence, sense of like satisfaction and just Mm -hmm. like I did this amazing thing and yeah I kind of came home from it being like man if somebody else could feel this and like I have a certain skill set and I have like the knowledge I've been playing this game in the west as far as like applying for tags and getting tags like if I can hand off some of that information and help somebody do something like just happened for me like it could impact them forever it could be like Mm -hmm. a moment in their life that they could always draw from so I was, yeah. I was curious. Yeah, we've gotten a lot of like emails from mm. people saying you you've inspired me to move out west mm. to chase dreams. Yeah, like when people talk about that, you're just yeah. like moving. It's it really hits you hard. Yeah, like every day you wake up in the mountains, it's like that sunrise you see. It's like I want someone else to experience that. I want them to feel what I feel right now and why I'm back here. Mm-hmm. It's it's powerful. Like yeah. you said, it is cliche to talk about like oh it right. gives me purpose. It makes me you know more, more motivated when I come back in the real world. But it really does. Yeah. It yeah. truly does. It's like if anyone can experience it, I would love everyone to try it out. Well, and you know how lucky we are to have grown up doing this. Yeah, you know, because you see, even your brother getting mm-hmm. started late. But there's so many people who who aspire to do what we do, and we've just done it. Mm-hmm. And it's just yep. like, you know, you can't choose where you're born or kind of what you did. But we just fell into the mountains and what mm-hmm. we do. And now you look like, what if you're born in what West Virginia, yeah. you know what I mean? Not saying anything bad about that, but it's definitely not the West. Yeah. It's definitely mm-hmm. not chasing big buck, big mule deer bucks, big bulls, bears. I mean, it's, uh, and so what I think about is what else can rival hunting? You know what I mean? Being in the mountains, doing something that man has done for thousands of years and the feeling you had when you were mm-hmm. successful, what else can rival that? I don't know. I mean, for me, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm sure there's athletic pursuits that people, you know, feel like they've achieved that thing. You know, I, you watch Netflix, these guys that are summiting, you know, these giant peaks and stuff. I'm sure there's some of that too, but I I mean, I don't know, but for me, like, that's it. Yeah. Like that's where, that's where I get it. You know, I I don't know if, and I think part of that's just like in my upbringing, like I said, and Mm -hmm. maybe probably a lot of it's just in your DNA uh, and, and kind of who you are. But for me, I, man, it's, that's it. That's where I get it. So, I mean, you guys are in the business of sharing what we do, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that's the whole. So what, what's your thoughts on people who who don't want to share what we do, you know, who mm-hmm. are more protective of, I guess you could say, the resource, thinking it's a, a limited resource in some way. What's your thoughts on that? Honestly, I think you got to keep sharing information nowadays. Mm-hmm. I think it's really for the, the longevity of hunting as a whole. We need more people to be passionate about it. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's things that sometimes like, why do you guys give away, you know, this information? But it's like, we can, you can talk about all the information every single day. Maybe you'll inspire one or two people to go do it, but you still got to go do it and put the work in, but they're going to learn about it and they might get excited about it. They might tell their friends or buddies. It's like, you know, I live in a state of Nevada. Like mm-hmm. it's hard to get a non-resident tag in Nevada. I wish right. we could give up more tags, but we just don't have the habitat and the water to do it. I mm-hmm. want more people to experience it. It's like, yeah, selfishly, I'd, I'd like to go on the mountain and not see anyone. Sure. <laughs> yeah. But it's like... You know, I grew up in the Midwest. Yeah. It was always my dream to come out in the mountains, and now I'm here. Mm-hmm. It is meaningful to, exp- like, have other people enjoy what we enjoy at all times. And, yeah, you got to be secret about some things, but, like, 
it's a digital age. There's so yeah. much information out there. So mm-hmm. you might as well give them the right information to be safe, successful, to enjoy it, to, you know, prosper out there rather than just saying, Hey, here you go. Like go have a hard time. Like see if you ever do this again. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're yeah. going to, you're going to quit and go take up golf. Like, right. Why would you want to go play golf when you can go hunt? Right. Yeah. I think, I mean, I, I'm all in favor of bringing more, more people into the space. I mm-hmm. think there's, I think there's plenty of opportunity. Uh, I also think that hunting's hard. Mm-hmm. And I think there's probably a lot of people that are going to jump into it and maybe find out that isn't for them. Yeah. But they get a chance to try it, you know, if they want to. And I think I think I wrote an article for Go Hunt, like when I first started working for for Go Hunt. And I basically said, I, I think that your, you know, your views on hunting, um, kind of the rules and legislation, legislation and like, the you know, the the way that hunting and wildlife management uh, continues to go forward, I think a lot of those decisions are going to be made uh, by people who don't hunt. Mm -hmm. So if I can at least shed a good light on hunting, Mm -hmm. if I can get some of those people out and give them, you know, at least a little bit of knowledge and maybe they want to go out and try it out and find out it's not for them, but they understand what it is, what hunting is. I think if I can share, you know, positive experience, if I can shed a, a positive light in hunting and just the traditional hunting, I think it's a good thing because I think we need more people that are, um, you know, they may not hunt, but I think they have to understand the tradition. They have to understand the, uh, you know, the North American model of conservation and yeah. what it does. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I think that's the way forward. You know, yeah. we, and I, I don't know. I mean, I, I grew up in Utah in the, you know, the eighties and nineties when mm-hmm. I started hunting, like if you want to see hunting pressure, I'm like, <laughs> you know, go yeah. back then. Right. Yeah. I bought my over the counter tag at the local gas station and like, a two point was mm-hmm. an anomaly. Like you just didn't see deer. Right. Right. So fast forward to now, um, you know, it's, it's in a good place. It's a little bit tougher to get tags, but yeah. you know, the opportunity is still there. There's still a lot of elk on the landscape, more elk on the landscape than ever. And I think here's how I see it. I think a lot of people, I think they like the idea of being some badass bow hunter mm-hmm. in the mountains. Right. As you said, it's freaking hard. So most people might have that goal, probably get kicked in the nuts, maybe go to rifle hunting, which is fine. Great. Maybe quit hunting. But the point, like to, the point with my social media and what I talk about here is just explaining hunting the right way. Yep. Because, you know, my page might reach, you know, on average 30 million a week impressions, 30 million people get exposed to what I think about hunting and how I feel is respectful and the merciful way to do it and, and the, a good mindset. And then that message is, is curated how I want. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's how I do it. I try to do what's good for hunting. Yeah. So 30 million people aren't going to be hunting, but they got that message. Mm-hmm. So those people, once the, the votes come down or once they're talking to somebody about hunting and they say, well, I don't know, I, you know, I follow this guy on social media and he explained bear hunting like this and that, you know, we need to do it because of, you know, fawns and calves. And that's, that's why that's the positives of social media. People talk about the negatives and the Mm -hmm. ills of it. It's like, yeah, but that's with everything. Mm -hmm. But can we, let's not ignore the positives, you know, and the positives are, man, I see a lot of people talking and seeing hunting in a good light and seeing the, the, positive attributes of it. Yeah. I mean, is that what you guys are saying? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would love for more people to hunt. I, it's like I said earlier, I just, I mean, I, I think it's just that I'm getting old and like more sentimental, yeah. you know, and I've yeah. got, I've got kids now that are teenagers and, mm-hmm. you know, get to take them hunting. Like I, I just see what that does 
for them, for me, I just see what the outdoors and hunting and just the pursuit and what it can mean for somebody. I know what it's meant for me. Yeah. So if I can provide that to somebody else and get more people involved in it, I mean, it can only be good in their life. It's, I don't think it, it can be bad. No. It's changed all our lives sitting here. You yeah. Know? Oh. I mean, you, you moved them from the Midwest. What, why? To hunt? <laughs> well, college a little bit, but it was mainly yeah. hunting. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just wanted, I just wanted to chase big mountains. Mm. Like I wanted that adventure. My dad used to always go out to Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, come mm. back with stories. And he was a hunter. Hunter. Yeah. yeah. Photos. Like it was like, like trail set ingrained in your DNA. Yeah. It's just something you did. You always went to, you know, local hunting camps, sharing photos, passing around little magazines and stuff like that. And just that pursuit of moving out West just gave me, you know, freedom of being outdoors, public mm -hmm. land everywhere. Yeah. Minnesota's great. Great state to go fishing. You know, everyone has a boat. You can always <laughs> yeah. go do fun things, but it's like you feel claustrophobic mm -hmm. in city life. And I wanted to move to the mountains just yeah. to chase, chase dreams, chase hunting, see what my dad experienced when he was younger. Mm -hmm. Like, and it just like literally, you know, giving up a great life in the Midwest to move out there by myself was, you know, a daunting deal. It's a big move. But like it literally changed everything about how I lived my life because yeah. I, I knew at that moment in life, like, sure, it's, you can say like you're meant for something. Like mm -hmm. I feel like I was meant to you know, be in the mountains, yeah. experience hard things. Like I love a good suffer fest in the yeah. mountains. It's, it's actually rewarding. Like I said, you come back home, you feel this more refreshed mm -hmm. mind's all there. And it's like, and then being out there, we're talking about like, you know, giving back. It's like, well, my family's still in the Midwest. Mm -hmm. I want to inspire some of those family friends to come out and do that same yeah. sort of thing I'm seeing because at the end of the day, like it's just, you just can't help but like enjoy everything I've seen. It's like, yeah, I gotta share it. Yeah, I do that. I yeah. think Brady and I are both a little bit socially awkward too. Like, there's a <laughs> yeah, you're <laughs> so, so just the opportunity to be in the woods. You don't have to talk to anybody. Yeah. Like the possibility. I mean, I like he's a your your backgrounds in biology. My backgrounds in biology. So like my favorite mm. biologist joke is like, how do you tell the difference between an extrovert and an introvert biologist? Hmm. An extrovert biologist looks at your shoes when he's talking to you. So, <laughs> yeah, that's my oh. favorite show. So it's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the, the thing. You know? yeah. But I, I think that's where, I mean, I know that's where I feel most at home. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I don't have to talk to people and just kind of be on my own. And so did you come out for school sports? Nope, just to just school. Uh, just school, yeah. Okay. Yeah, um, I always kind of wanted to be a, a fisheries biologist because... Oh. If I, I wanted to be a big game biologist, but then I realized I have to work in the fall. <laughs> yeah, I can't right. hunt. Can't hunt. So fishery side, I could you know work in the spring, summer, oh. early you know September, mm -hmm. and then I could take off a ton of time mm -hmm. and just go hunting all, always. So like, it just you know kind of worked out that the school was a good fishery school, but it really was really good hunting in Montana. Yeah, that's, that's why I was a uh, fifth year senior. I might have missed a few classes. <laughs> yeah, and, I understand. You know, it didn't go because it's just you're out there. It's like here I am, you know, young kid, and tons of opportunity, tons of things to do, a lot of good influences of people who wanted to get me outside and hmm. chase their chase dreams with them. And yeah, Montana, you couldn't ask for a better school for just oh. a, a student body that wants to get outdoors. Yeah. It's a nature's playground. Everywhere you look, there's animals, there's places to do places to see. Like it's speaking of Montana, my brother has had a rough race in the crazy mountains there. Oh, that's he, a nasty place. He did that. I did the hundred last year. He paced me on the second half. I, I didn't do that great, but I, you know, got it done. He uh, had to drop a 64, but that mm. country is freaking rugged. His feet were a mess, apparently. That's why he dropped. But, and he's tough. He's a better runner than me. That country, 100 miles up there. <laughs> dropped at 64, man. <laughs> I know. I know. I, I you know, this kid from here won. His name's Nate Jacqua. He won it 
you know, just today, but, uh, man, that's beautiful country. Mm-hmm. It's so, have you been up there? I've it's, been in the crazy squad a bit. It's back in the be- day. Yeah. It's beautiful, but man, it's rugged. Yeah. How's it's, he feeling? You talk to him? I haven't No, He just dropped this morning. So it's, uh, I don't know. He's probably a little banged up and it's kind of remote out there. You know, have so. you ever, you ever DQ'd on a race? You ever dropped out on, on a run? Um, I was, just, I was just curious, like, what's that feel like? I'm like, I'm curious because it's so, I mean, that's so much effort. Like, it's a, such a long ways to run. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then it's, uh, I don't know. It's, I mean, there's, it's so hard, but you get to, I know I've been in a lot of races where I want to. Yeah. <laughs> and you can, yeah, you can come up with reasons. I mean, and also, who's going to say anything? I mean, yeah. so if you drop it, I'm not saying this is what Taylor did, but if you drop a 60, what's somebody going to say? Nothing. Because you're just like, fuck, you didn't do anything. What? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I ran 60 miles. You can't say shit. <laughs> but if you say, you know, yeah, my hamstring, I just, you know, couldn't go, but you just were done running mm-hmm. and you just wanted a way out, who, nobody knows if that, but you know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it's like, it's really hard to put, have those big dreams and goals go through even 60 miles of pain and suffering in the mountains is hard, but the disappointment to have to drop, God, um, I drive home thoughts in your head. Oh, just terrible, terrible. And he, he just got back from Europe. He was over there. So another big ultra is UTMB and it goes through three countries there. And he was on that course. So I thought he was going to be in good shape. I mean, he, you know, we did an ultra here. He won. I got second. He, he'd done like, I think 250 miles, milers recently did, did good. So I had, I actually thought he could win, you yeah. know, but these races are on that day. If your body just is like, not, not today. It's, and that happens. <laughs> that happens. It's just, it's tough. Yeah. You don't know. Is I've it, never ran that far. So I was just curious what it would be like to terrible. Yeah. I can't imagine. <laughs> it's terrible. Even when it goes good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so when it goes bad, it's really terrible. Um, but so, yes. So Montana, um, how, so how did you get, you know, you grew up in Utah, but what's your, what's been your journey? I, you know, I kn- have known of you. I, I don't know if I know the exact mm-hmm. trajectory of what you've done. Did you never, did you ever work in New Mexico at, at the, at the TO? No. Nope. No. Okay. Um, nope. Never did. But anyway, so tell me your story. Oh uh, yeah. Grew up in uh, just a tiny town in Southern Utah. So my dad was a park manager at a reservoir. So Otter Creek state park, which mm. is just a, a tiny state park. I mean, I think Anamone is probably maybe 150, 180 people, mm. <laughs> just a tiny little town. Our closest neighbor was a mile. So, I mean, I grew up right in the heart of some of the best like elk country and deer country in Southern Utah. So, I mean, I have pictures of me when I was a little kid with, you know, elk feeding in the backyard, Mm. you know, me sitting on a picnic table. And like, I remember my oldest brother, he's 12 years older than I am, Todd. Um, You know, he'd throw me on the back of a, like an old green Kawasaki uh, motorcycle when I was just a little kid. He and I shared a room Mm -hmm. and uh, we'd take off in the winter and we'd just go cruise and just look at mule deer, you know, on the winter range. And so, I mean, yeah, it was fun. I mean, it was a great place to grow up. We had the reservoir across the street. I mean, we we ice fished and ice Mm -hmm. skated. But so, yeah, my parents are originally from Indiana. My dad did move out to the West because he wanted to chase hunting. So. Mm always just liked the uh, the thought of hunting elk and deer, and so that's why they came out. And, um, you know, I played sports in high school, played basketball and baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a dentist for some reason. I just, really? Uh, yeah, I thought that'd be a phenomenal <laughs> yeah. uh, occupation, you know. I thought yeah. 
I thought I'd, uh, so I went into biology and uh, just got to a point where I was like, you know, I don't think I can do, I don't think I can look in people's mouths every day. I don't think that's what I want to do. <laughs> it's a lot of dirty mouths out there. Yeah, to yeah. Be honest. Yeah, but I mean, I, I'd always kind of haunted, you know, I, I didn't take it as seriously like as I was a teenager because I was playing sports mm-hmm. and that was kind of my, my focus, but always haunted with my, my dad. And then uh, I got a job right out of uh, college, kind of like when I was going to college with the Forest Service. My dad got me a job and I worked on this uh, trail crew. Mm. And so I got to be outdoors every single day. Mm. Uh, and then I got a job with the wildlife biologist for the Fish Lake National Forest and I was doing habitat projects with him and I was mm. doing wildlife surveys and I was like, man, this is way better. I'm out every single day yeah. and just decided I didn't want to be a dentist anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So then I, uh, switched over to wildlife biology and got my, my degree in wildlife science. And then I kept working for the forest service and then eventually transitioned over and got a job with, uh, the Utah division of wildlife as a habitat biologist. Mm. So yeah, I did that for eight years, and we did just massive amounts of habitat restoration work. Hmm. Had some really cool programs working within Utah for the benefit of you know mule deer and elk, elk a lot of uh, big game winter range, hmm. like pinion juniper restoration to like back into sagebrush, and I did all that. And in the meantime, you know, got married and had three kids, and then. Uh, I mean, I always liked to hunt and like I was saving up when I worked for this state, I was always saving up all my comp time, all my, you know, sick leave, just any annual leave days I could get to, to go out and hunt. And I might get one or two tags a year and I just go out and bust my ass and do as good as I could. And mm-hmm. I think I started to kill a few animals and, you know, eventually started talking to go hunt. Those guys were looking for writers. Mm. So I started writing for them and then, uh, they offered me a job full time and just the the ability to hunt more in the fall. How long ago was that? It's been seven years. Oh, seven yeah, years. Yeah. Okay. So I was with the division for probably seven or eight years, mm-hmm. and then uh, yeah, I've been with Go Hunt for about seven years. Okay. So yeah. That's kind of the the thing, man. I just like to hunt. Yeah. And the the freedom in the fall, a little bit more freedom, and yeah. then I've been able to do some hunts since I've worked for Go Hunt that I. I could have probably never put together like mm. on my state wages, and, right? You know, trying to make that happen. So, you know, it's um, it's been good. I just I just want to hunt as much as I can, and mm-hmm. it's been been a good ride. What's well, Leupold Optics has been providing my binoculars and eyewear for the last few years. I like that it's an Oregon company and they make such high quality glasses, all I've really used. And if you can't find what you're hunting, it's going to be tough to kill. So Leupold Optics has really played an integral part in my success these last few years. Thank you, Leupold, for supporting the podcast. I think we all can agree, no one likes a plumber's crack. My suggestion, Groove Life belts and longer shirts. But not only does Groove Life have belts, they have silicone rings, watch bands, and wallets for everyday use. I've been using their belts for over a year now, and I can tell you they're easy to adjust and my crack is covered. Go to groovelife.com backslash cam and use code cam for 20% off your order. One of the favorite packages that I get on a monthly basis is a Black Rifle Coffee Club exclusive coffee roast. The only way you can get it is if you subscribe to the coffee club. This month's coffee was a quote, we're not here blend, and with what looks like a picture of Joe Biden on the front. Sounds about right. Black Rifle Coffee is America's coffee. It's veteran-owned and operated. They support hunting and conservation and give back immensely to the veteran community. 
They're offering followers of the podcast 20% off on your first purchase to the coffee club or order on their site using code keep hammering to get America's coffee today. You guys, your favorite animals to hunt. Like you mule, you're a mule deer, right? Mule deer all day, every day. You, <laughs> I mean, yeah, elk are cool and all they bugle, sure. I heard that, yeah. But like you get up on a high point and they're glassing for mule deer. They're yeah. more majestic. They're the, the fairer species. More majestic? Yeah, they're way more majestic. <laughs> they, they live where the sheep live. They live above the sheep, above hard the mountain goats. Hard no. <laughs> so you're elk? I'm an elk guy. Yeah, I love to bow hunt elk. Okay. I don't think it's anything better than a bow hunt than an elk. I, uh, I mean, they're way more dynamic. They bugle. They got <laughs> bigger antlers, bigger bodies. They're so noisy. <laughs> they're fantastic. Mountains are supposed to be peaceful. It's supposed to be, it's be you and them. And yeah. What about you? Uh, man. Break the tie. Yeah. Uh, if I had to choose one, it'd be elk. There you go. Yeah, definitely you elk. See, There's see, a lot of... Do you see the logo right there? <laughs> I do see the logo. Do you see a giant mule deer in the middle? The reason why is like when I was a kid, I couldn't... First of all, I couldn't even afford to elk hunt at first, right? Mm -hmm. So I just hunted blacktail deer around here. But, you know, everybody's dream in the little small town was like, if you could get a six-point bull... You did something. Dude, I mean, I didn't know anybody who'd ever killed a six-point bull. Mm -hmm. But everybody had, like, either the belt buckle or what the, on the gate or whatever it was is like the silhouette of a six-by-six, six, right? Mm -hmm. So that was the dream is a six-point bull. And I think it's just left over from that. Yeah. I mean... I remember my my dad drew a tag in Utah in the '80s, and he he killed a bull. It's like a 330 bull. It's a good bull. Great bull. Yeah. It's mainframe, basically a mainframe five points. Got yeah. little tiny fists on both sides. Must be but a big five then. It's a big five. Yeah. But I remember. I mean, everybody coming <laughs> to look at that yeah. bull. The whole town came. I over. mean, everybody within anywhere came to look at that bull. Yeah. Like, I mean. That's, I mean, that's the story of elk, and that's just in my dad's lifetime, right. you know? I mean, he, he started hunting, you know, in Utah, and, like, we, we didn't have elk in Utah, really. Yeah. I mean, there was a few units that had a few, but really, basically, since my childhood and my lifetime, essentially, we've got an elk herd, great yeah. elk herd. Right. Do you guys, are you guys big score guys? I mean, I... I know what some stuff scores, but yeah, yeah. I'm not hung up on a score. Like, but. you know, you said your dad's bull didn't, didn't sound like score mattered no no it was like it's like a, a six by six and before yeah. it'd be like could you hang a ring on yeah. it he, mm -hmm. he would have never known what that bull scored yeah. until like you know post 20 years or one yeah. of us put a tape on it we kind of figured out what score was you know? right I yeah mean, okay i i mean i'm not you know it's good it's a good i don't know reference point i guess but yeah i, I always look at the animals and I don't know. I'm not. I'm not big on score. It's mm. fun if they're when they're dead and you know just something to talk about, mm -hmm. you know. But man, I just like a good hunt. I yeah. like the adventure side of it. Yeah. I always say like if it's a snowing, if it's nasty out, mm -hmm. and I can just you know picture that moment later on in my life and like share that thing. I'd rather take a smaller animal because it's just that moment of time. Yeah. Like, sure, a big mature old animal, it's great, but yeah. it's like the situation. Yeah. It's something I remember Trumps from it. it. Oh, yeah. yeah. All day. Well, how about, see that mule deer right there? Mm -hmm. That's a pretty good buck. Yep. Oh, yeah. I think Mike Eastman took that one. I'm pretty sure on the winter range there. Look but how gorgeous that buck is. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's tough. You know. Their face is so pretty. Oh, their, God. Their, their demeanor, their posture. No, I love I body mean, size. I, I got a few mule deer in here. Nice. I do love I've been them. Look, I've been looking at them. Oh, I yeah. do love them, but it's like, 
They're not elk. They're not elk. <laughs> and that's what's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that's all you need to say. I think this conversation's over. They're not elk. That's it. I go back to Minnesota every summer, like 4th of July, hanging out with all my dad's friends. You know, we all talk hunting all the time. We all get together yeah. and have a big cook-off. They're like, Brady, why haven't you hunted elk yet? That's the biggest conversation. What do you mean? You've never hunted elk? No, I've, I've killed some bulls. Oh, I've killed okay. elk. But like, they, they want me to chase elk as my number one oh, thing. Because right, that's right. all their dream. Everyone yeah. in the Midwest wants to come out and hunt elk. Should it is true. Why is that? Yeah, shouldn't that tell you something? <laughs> it maybe should. I like being an outlier. I like flying under the radar a little bit. Well, you know, that's the theme to this show is outliers. Oh. So it's usually a positive, though. Okay. Not that you're... Not a negative. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'll take that as a win. So, sorry, bud. <laughs> this, is the first, break. this is the first time on camp show that an outlier was a bad thing <laughs> in, yeah. a, in a negative way yeah um so yeah i'm interested in the the utah habitat because you know mm -hmm. where i hunt i hunt a big property yeah. and they do a lot of management mm -hmm. i don't know if you have you ever been involved up there in uh, not not in northern utah so yeah. southern utah uh so my i was in cedar city so we covered the entire southern end of the state mm. and then east to west mm. um Utah has done a really, and you know, I, I would commend the Utah Division of Wildlife Resources. I mean, they've really done a, a phenomenal job. And, and I mean, Mother Nature's, yeah, she's the dictator, it's tough to predict, right? Yeah. And if she gives you three or four years straight of drought and mm -hmm. then a really hard winter, you're gonna you're gonna kill some deer, you're gonna kill some elk, right? But as as far as them being proactive about doing habitat restoration work and actually growing mule deer numbers when a lot of states are kind of continuing to decline. They've done that, and, I, and they'll continue to do it. Like, you're going to see things, you know, kind of turn around for them because they've just been so proactive with habitat restoration. Mm -hmm. And probably the coolest thing that they've done is they developed this, they call it a Utah Watershed Restoration Initiative. Mm. And what they've done that other states haven't is they've, uh, and maybe some other states are working on it now, but I know for a long time they were the only state that had done it where they uh, entered into agreements with uh, federal entities, so the BLM, Forest Service, the state, and private. And essentially what they did is pool their resources, so pool the money, and then they once a year would have um, – projects so everybody would put together their projects they would pitch them and then you would have a committee that would rank the projects mm. and everybody would pool their funding and put it towards those projects mm. and, and at that point uh, we were working across land boundaries so instead of mm. doing a 500 acre project on a piece of state land we mm -hmm. were doing a 5,000 acre project across blm state and we were running all those contracts through the state. Mm. So we were getting bids on those contracts. We were able to get, you know, competitive. We were able to save some money, you know, put those contracts out for bid and oversee them. And I mean, that's we, like a regular business. It's, a, it's a business. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Most, most, uh, governments don't run like a business. No. You know what I mean? They're not interested in mm -hmm. making good decisions. Just like, you know, yeah. keeping people, I guess, in jobs or mm -hmm. whatever, just having a purpose, getting a paycheck. But I like to hear that government agencies working together mm -hmm. for the common good of the wildlife. Yeah. I and, mean, that's and, incredible. And they really did. And I mean, for years and years, there was no, you know, no BLM anywhere in the West because of the red tape that they'd have to cut through was doing mm -hmm. chainings. Yeah. Yeah. You just couldn't do it anymore. Right. Um, but we were doing it. We hmm. were doing five That's and awesome. five and ten thousand acre projects. We were, you know, we were doing it every year. We were doing, you know, bull hog projects, which are these, you know, big he big heads that are mounted on a on a skid steer and they essentially masticate the tree, chew it up, mm -hmm. you know, and we were putting seed in the ground before we did those projects. And it was primarily focused on winter range. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to remove pinyon and juniper. 
uh, and encourage regrowth of sagebrush, bitter brush, and you know plants that were it's better feed, better feed yeah. for for deer and elk. Mm. You know, so, yeah. Well, what it, I it mean, was awesome. it sounds like it's wor- I mean, this year. You know, I know up where I hunt. I thought they said they got they didn't get five hundred inches of snow, did they? I don't know, but they, I mean, could, they, they got a lot. There's a lot of snowpack, like there's stuff cr- in Nevada. I that's, think they told me five hundred inches, have. and the roads took a beating mm-hmm. oh, up yeah. there. But there's a lot of moisture, so mm-hmm. it's, it's a give and take. It but is. hopefully, the deer didn't get caught anywhere and and died. You know, and probably be good for the elk because they they do feed the elk up there. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think they actually feed them over in Wyoming yeah. on the winter range well, over there. Just, just a hardier, bigger, better animal. Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> like just, just healthier, better survival. More majestic. More majestic, you Man. might say. I feel like I got thrown on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're just talking about feed and winter okay. and okay. stuff yeah. like that. Not, no, no. Not if you took feed. that personal, that's on you. <laughs> it, it is on me. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you started writing for Go Hunt. What did, have you written to or? Yeah, for... I mean, my story is kind of similar to, to trails in a sense, just like I kind of did it a little bit differently because I was, you know, doing fisheries work in Montana. Yeah. And so at the time, I always knew I wanted to be in the hunting industry because I just love to hunt. Yeah. And that's why I said I was a fifth year senior. Right. So at the time, I was that person who is, you know, I loved writing, I loved science-based writing, and mm. I just wanted to share my story. So I started like writing in my tent, mm. you know, little write and rain notebooks oh, back yeah. in the day. Like I would just sit there and write articles. I have a random thought in my head. I start writing down the stuff about you know, how I approach a hunt or whatever like that. Really? So I started like pitching ideas out there everywhere, oh. not making any money, <laughs> no. but just basically just to make money. You know, it was hard having a, you know, a girlfriend at the time, like, why are you staying up super late at night writing all the time? Yeah. It's like, I just want to chase a dream. Yeah. I wanted to go put myself forward and do that. So I had a great job. Like I got paid to fly fish every day. Hmm. That's literally what I did as, really? a fish, as a fisheries work. Like what? we worked, for, I worked for the feds, United States yeah. Geological Survey, and I didn't have to wear a uniform. It's your tax oh. dollars at work. Right? Yeah, the tax dollars at work. But it was more effective to fly fish than these streams because they're all steep and deep and fast. Yeah. So like if you put electricity in it to try to shock the fish, you know, the fish would come up, but they would, wouldn't get shocked hard. So they would just dive right back to right. the bottom. So it was easier just to fly fish. Okay. So I was in the best backpacking shape of my life. Fly fished all these awesome waters all the Jeez. time. Jeez. And, but I always knew I wanted to chase hunting. You know, mm. That's my dream. And so yeah. I kept pitching everything out there. And uh, it's kind of through social media. Hmm. Brady's sense. also really good with the camera. Yeah, I started, yeah. Getting, I started getting into photography. Okay. Like I really wanted to, like I said, showcase to my family the mm-hmm. crazy adventures I would go on. So yeah. I'd go on these hunts, take photos, write about them. No one probably read them. But like to me, it's like... If <laughs> where, one pr- where would you put them? Where uh, they? It was like bowhunting.com, bowhunting.net oh. back in the day. Like they were pretty big websites back yeah, then. Yeah, but like, I'm sure people read them. Yeah, you know, I had some articles published in some magazines. Mule deer, nobody read them. Yeah, probably yeah. Sure. yeah. But I was like, if one person reads it and they take one tip from me, yeah. I take that as a win. Like, yeah. That's all I ever loved doing. And so, you know, social media started coming around. Yeah. And I was, you know, kind of an early adopter on, on that. So I was like, I'm going to showcase all my photos, all the crazy adventures I go on, mm-hmm. all the supper fests I do. And I was... All of a sudden, I got like a, a message on Instagram. It was like from Lorenzo, who owns Gohan. Yeah. He's like, hey, we're working on this thing. I can't tell you what it is, but it's going to be something pretty cool in the hunting yeah. industry. I wonder if you want to interview for it. And I was like, sure. I was out skiing the next week in yeah. Montana. I was also, I got a phone call, and it was from Las Vegas. Mm. And I knew they were from Las Vegas. I'm like, I got to go up to the lodge right now and get <laughs> cell phone service ASAP so I can yeah. call them back. I missed the phone call. Uh-huh. He calls me, starts telling me about everything they're working on. And I was like, I'll fly down to Vegas. I'm like, I'm a small town boy. Like, yeah, literally the town I grew up in at 5,000 people. Yeah. Um, so like the idea of Vegas was very, right. very, very interesting to me. And I lived in Montana. <laughs> yeah. Like the most gorgeous place in the world. Tons of hunting opportunity. I can do anything I want. It's yeah. outdoor related. And so I will fly you down, flew down, started talking about the whole process of it, everything. And I was like, I'm in. I'm 100% yeah. sold. 
you know, at the time we weren't even a thing. No one knew about what Go Home was going to be yet, but they told me the idea, the conception, what they want to evolve it into. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, I want to be a part of that. I want to help people out, try to acquire tags, tell people stories. You didn't agree that fast. You got to, no. you got you got to bargain a little bit. You know, I should have bargained harder. Yeah. You know, it was a good deal when they said you have to move to Vegas and you did it. I'm yeah, kidding. I had to leave, I leave Montana. I had a great job, you know, but it was like Trill said, it's working for, I was working for the Fed. So yeah. like I had to bank up all my comp time right. and like you're, you know, battling trying to get a job every single year. But yeah, yeah who, I mean, in working in the hunting industry, that's kind of cool. You yeah. know, I mean, yeah. it's what we love to do. So we always want to chase that dream. So yeah. Yeah, I went back, put my two week notice in mm-hmm. and then moved to this big giant concrete jungle when was of Las that? Vegas. How long ago? Uh, that was right beginning of 2014. Oh, yeah. geez. Yeah. So you guys have been doing this for a while. We've been doing it for quite a while. So God, like, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, 10 years. Go Hunt's 10 years old this year. Really? Yep. yep. Okay. That's, I mean, and, yep. and how are you guys doing from where you started to where it's still growing or? Still growing. Oh, it's it's a crazy growth curve. We're already, it's still you know, doing good. we're four offices in. Like we've had to upgrade four different offices now because mm-hmm. we keep outgrowing the office space, outgrowing a warehouse space. We're selling gear. Like, it's insane where we started and then mm. where we're at now. Like, it's totally different. I don't think the vision really was where we're at now. Maybe mm. it was slightly, but, like, just that growth growth curve and, like, all the ways we can help people out digitally, mm. try to acquire tags is Yeah, cool we process. we started out with just the Insider Research platform, and then we did that, and then we were like, hey, you know what? Let's think about a gear shop, and let's kind of look at it as being, like, a real procured experience, you know, like gear that we really like and use. Mm-hmm. So we opened up the gear shop, and that's kind of when I came on. Um, I'm kind of a gear nerd, so mm-hmm. kind of worked into that as well. But opened up the gear shop, and then we thought, you know, um, you know, we have all the research, we have the gear, to kind of help get you in the field. Like, what's the thing that you need next to kind of get in the field, stay in the field, be able to navigate it? Well, like maps, and we're all using maps to, you know, apply and then also navigate when we're in the field. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, worked on the maps portion of it. So we have a, you know, a functioning desktop maps platform with all the layers and everything. And then mm. also works on your phone. So you can, you know, download all your land ownership layers, your hunt boundaries, your fire layers, everything that you would That's need. A game so, changer. Yeah, game changer. So it's kind of like a, I mean, we like to call it an ecosystem. Like mm-hmm. takes you from application from, you know, the f- spring when you're mm-hmm. applying for hunts and you're kind of doing your research to, you know, the gear. We do a lot of content. Brady and I both work research and content Mm -hmm. so we're doing you know like youtube videos and how to's and writing articles to kind of help you know like tips and tricks tactics to kind of help you be more successful yeah and then the gear and then also the ability to like plan a hunt put a hunt together and then navigate when you're in the field so it's kind of like this entire ecosystem yeah 365 day process because everyone knows a hunter life cycle if you're once you get into it, it's a 365 yeah, endeavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like if you in. want to be successful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's And so do you guys film hunts too? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And those are on the, you have a YouTube channel yep, for that? Yeah, we're on YouTube page, yeah. Yep. Yeah. We do, what did we do? Maybe 12 last year? Yep. I, think wow. we've, I don't know how many we're going to do this year. Um, we're kind of laying out the old schedule. We're always, bar- I'm, I'm always bargaining for more. Like yeah. not, not necessarily filmed, just, just more hunting in general. More, more hunting, yes. Yeah, yes. more hunting. But if, yeah, if you want to throw a camera guy at it and it gets me out of the office to go hunting, then great. Let's do that. <laughs> what, um, what makes a good film? Mm. Just honestly, being real. Yeah. It's literally letting a story develop naturally on its own. Like yeah. you're going to have the ups, you're going to have the downs, you're going to have that roller coaster ride. Mm-hmm. But it's like having a good camera guy mm-hmm. is very essential as well. You got to have a camera guy who can keep up, who's really good at documenting. I was going to say things. shout out That'd over there. Nice. That'd be nice to have one of these <laughs> must, days. Must be nice. <laughs> yeah. There's, there's definitely camera guys that like, you know, 
might not want to go with me anymore because they realize that if Brady's uh, going to go out hunting, it's going to be something far nasty. It's going to yeah. snow. It's going to be cold. But that's but a that's good the movie. Story. That's yeah. a good movie that's right the good there. Thing. Yeah. I think, I think for me, like, I've never we've I've never done a hunt film where like I went back and watched it and it it like completely captured. I don't know that you can Mm-mm. like fully. It's tough. it's tough, right? Like you can't show how bad a pack out might have sucked. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. uh, but the ones that kind of, you know, visually, artistically kind of show and give give somebody a glimpse into what that was yeah. in, in a genuine way is kind of what I, I like about a what, film. What stands out to you? What what film? Have you seen a film that has done that? Um, or have you made one? Yeah, I mean, I... One that I, I mean, I did one with Chris Neville. So we did a Wyoming uh, elk hunt, just a mm-hmm. general season elk hunt. He, Chris Neville worked there. Um, it's called Out West. Mm-hmm. And Chris Neville had always wanted to come out west and hunt out. So he's from Iowa. Mm. Uh, he'd never, he'd done some OTC stuff, never killed a bull. He came with me in, in Wyoming. It was like kind of my goal to help, you know, help him get a bull. I ended up shooting one before he did, but, <laughs> but uh, on, I mean, details. that's just the breaks, right? But, um, yeah, I mean, we, we got to put in, like, you know, clips of him as a kid. Oh, tell you, a story. Telling a story, yeah. you know, about him and his brother, mm-hmm. you know, and their stories of, you know, trying to hunt whitetail on their own. And there's there's clips in there of him saying, you know, he's like, what, probably 12? Yeah. And he's like, hey, it's just before dark, you know, and he's like acting like he's on, you know, the outdoor, <laughs> the channel. outdoor channel thing. You know, yeah. been, and, and you got to see clips of That's him when he, when he was a kid and then, you know, come full circle. Like he got to go on this elk hunt and he killed a great six point bull. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, he hit that he hit the bull kind of high mm. and we found the arrow and I looked at the arrow and there was, you know, a bunch of kind of fat towards the back end mm. of it. And I was telling him, you know, there's really only a couple points on the animal to get pretty fatty you know it's typically like around their rump you know yeah. or maybe up under their back straps and uh we ended up blood trail on that bull and it was pretty spotty and it was dark and i was out ahead of him and you know i was blood trailing blood blood trailing and i kind of caught the you know the glimpse of the antlers of mm. the bull down off my headlamp Whoa. and he was coming up behind me and we'd been trailing for probably an hour at that point, you know, and you know what it's like. Your confidence is a little Your bit. Your confidence oh, is God. starting to shake, yeah. you know. Yeah. And it just meant so much to him. You yeah. Know, the first bullied shot, oh, you know. God. And uh, I yelled, "Hey, Chris, you know, come over here. I think I found some blood." <laughs> and he come over, head to the ground, you know, and he's looking through his headlamp and he's going along the ground. And I said, "Yeah, there's a pretty good patch right over there." And I panned across and you could see the tines sticking oh, up, and God. he just melted. I bet just lost it so like yeah. when i when i watch that one like yeah. it, you know I, I feel the emotion in, right. in him and you know it captures that experience yeah that's that's the that's the hard part to capture the emotion of mm-hmm. a hunt because a lot of times it's it's either manufactured emotion or reenacted and it's not but it's when it's real you can mm-hmm. tell and yeah. that you know what we do is so powerful and it's really hard as you said to get it right but mm-hmm. it sounds like on that one you did. That one you did. Yeah. yeah. I, I really liked, I just, I mean, I loved it. I love, I love just, mm-hmm. I like thinking I was there, yeah. you know? So like, to me, it means, might mean something oh, a bet. little bit different, but I, I love, I love that moment just seeing him just melt with his first bull, you know, and the, the roller coaster of emotions oh, that man. you feel when you hit an animal. Yeah. It's, it's the biggest roller coaster. Big old bear hug you give when you bear hug. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the best feeling. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. I, I love hunt films though. Like I used to go, when I was in college, I'd rent VHSs, you mm-hmm. know, I'd go down to a local video store and rent 
you know, yeah. primos or whatever oh, it yeah, was. Me too. So, me yeah, too. I, I love a good hot film. Um, yeah. Did you ever watch Elk Fever? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Larry D. Jones, <laughs> Dwight <laughs> Shue. Yeah. I watched that so many times. Yeah. That was actually pretty good for as old as mm-hmm. it was. God, those guys did a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was fun. Um, what about you? You got one that stands out? Yeah, Guinness with Chris Neville. Yeah, <laughs> like Shout he was a good dude to be around. He's a, a different little, hunt. He, he, he didn't kill on this one. Oh, Brady but, shot the buck out from. I shot the, I shot the <laughs> buck, but like it, it was that hunt again where, you know, it's it's November yeah. in Colorado. Right. I wanted to go high. Yeah. It's like we wanted. I wanted to backpack it. So like, yeah. we're gonna go really high elevation. Like I always have these theories that like. You know, if the deer have every nutritional requirements that they need, mm-hmm. they're going to be the big old mature buck. Yeah, He's going to be up on top up. of the mountain. Right. We're, we're, where's all the other hunters? They're down lower yeah. on their ATV side by sides running right. around. So like, we're going to go high up in the snow and start there mm-hmm. because I, you know, I want to start at a high elevation, work my way down. Yeah. So we drove our truck up in this little area. I um, ended up parking it. And then, uh, the just mountains just erupted on us. Like. 15, 20 inches of snow that night. Oh. And we were just going to go, you know, park the truck there and spike out and then go backpacking. So yeah. we're like, we got to get the truck off the mountain now. Like <laughs> yeah. we're not maybe going to get this truck out of here till spring. Oh God. And so we didn't hunt that whole day. We didn't hunt the next day because we kept getting the truck stuck. We had a, I had a, my four wheeler with in case we needed it. We're breaking paths with the snow, trying to get the vehicle out of there. All of a sudden these guys on like side by sides with like full, like snowmobile tracks come by. Yeah. Like we're going to go out hunting. We're going to go elk hunting over here. If we come back later, and you're still here, we'll try to tow you out, but we don't know what we can do for you. I'm like, yeah, right. my truck might stay here. <laughs> so, like, literally, I'm redlining my truck, have chains on everything, just beating up everything. And my yeah. truck's totally demolished from that hunt. Looks like, a you know, an ad for a pickup truck, like, right. driving through the mountains in the snow. Finally get it out of there. I'm like, you know what? That was horrible, but there's, I think there's still deer up here. Mm-hmm. So we're going to relocate around. We're going to access this spot from a different area. Now it's going to mm-hmm. involve, like, hiking six and a half miles in, in the snow, in the cold. Like, it was freezing cold temperatures even with all that snow why did you think there's still bucks up there just the, tr- the way the terrain and topography rolled through there like it still was a really good transition area okay but it was above ten thousand feet in november which and they can, could still get out of there okay yeah like good- I, I think a lot of times bucks can like you know they can withstand a little bit more than a lot of people think they can yeah like they, they're still able to go up there if the does are still there like right. obviously the does peel off and you know mm-hmm. they want to go like you know chase the ladies they're going to start peeling down but mm-hmm. does are up there and they have, yeah. they want to get away from people i see so yeah. i just want to get away from the pressure and everything mm-hmm. i want to get away from otc elk hunters at the same time mm-hmm. um so we decided to backpack in and we had these other guys that drove up next to us as the area and, and we we're like we're gonna go over there they're like you're gonna go over there right now I'm like yeah we're gonna go backpack in <laughs> like you guys have enough gear we're like yeah we got a you know a, a teepee we got a little mm-hmm. wood-burning stove we're just gonna melt snow the whole time mm. That's another thing why I like going in crazy places because there's no water at that time. Everything's yeah. frozen. But we have to melt snow every night. Right. So every night you get back, you have to do your chores. Mm-hmm. I like that part of it. Yeah. Uh, so we backpack all the way over there. It weeds out a lot of people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. We get all the way over there because I saw a buck from that spot and all the way in that distance. Like, yes, there is bucks up there. Confirmed mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Got all the way over there. And at the time, Neville had his uh, little water bladder on the backside of his backpack. Mm. By the time we got over there, that thing was a rock solid. Frozen, just yeah. completely frozen. Mm-hmm. So then that we set our teepee up, started camping, realized there wasn't a lot of deer there. Like we were seeing like right next to camp, there was this little pocket of trees. Yeah. There was a bunch of like little small bucks and some does, mm. but not any mature animals. I'm like there's still some deer here. We'll get, we'll make yeah. a world with it. But every morning we'd wake up and we looked like a Michelin man. We had every <laughs> layer of clothes. We yeah. just had puppy jackets. Like we had to walk so slow. Right. So we walked fast, we start to sweat. Oh, and then once I we see. stopped, we start to freeze. Okay. So we were making giant bonfires the entire time, trying to stay warm after <laughs> we're glassing. Like every time we stop, we have to, we have to 
warm up. But it was yeah. all aspen trees. Okay. Aspen trees don't burn very well. Mm-hmm. So just like every day was a struggle. We kept making these big loops all the time in the deep snow. There's no one else hunting there. Mm. But we kept seeing tracks. We kept seeing a few deer yeah. here and there. Uh, at one point, we finally got on a buck. And, uh, you know, I was like, no, that's a good deer. You have to try to shoot it. He lays down on the ground, puts the barrel, his rifle hunt, in right the into snow. the snow. Yeah. So it's all down his, his, <laughs> his rifle. So I'm like, he has his hands out this whole time, too. In the picture, it's like it's negative degree temperatures. Yeah, freezing. Uh, the film's called Below Zero for, okay. like, for a reason, because it was always below yeah, zero yeah. up there. And then his hands are out, touching the barrel, trying to get it warm. And I had my rifle right next to me. I could have handed it to him. I don't know. I didn't think of it. Yeah. So then he's trying to clean it out, gets it clean. We're trying to stack backpacks didn't, on top of the snow. The backpacks are pushing into yeah. the snow. Just like that constant struggle. And all of a sudden, like the deer just walks away and it gets too dark. Oh, God. And then he's sitting there. He's rolling around on the ground. His hands are completely <laughs> numb. He just can't feel anything. And it's yeah. like, we're just laughing. Finally, we, you know, he, he tries to get on a buck. He's never killed a mule deer before. So I really mm. want him to kill a buck. Yeah. And uh, we never glassed that spot right next to camp, the little basin I was saying with those mm. smaller bucks. Mm. We never glassed in the evening. So one day we were like, let's just go back by camp early. You know, I how, feel like we're kind of. How many days were you up there? Uh, it might have been like five or six. Mm. And uh, so like, let's just try it out. I feel like we're kind of quitting early almost mm-hmm. because we're going back towards camp. We'll yeah. never glass in the evening. Get over there. And it's literally like camps here, 100 yards. It's a big cliff, straight cliff all the way down, big bowl mm-hmm. in the mountain, a bunch of aspen trees. Pull up the binos right away. It's just like this giant framed deer. And it's like, it's one of those situations where you got to almost drop your backpack, know how to shoot a rifle, lay on your gun, do everything yeah. proper and try mm-hmm. to take the shot. And looked at Neville and he's like, I can't take the shot right now because he's very new at rifle hunting. Yeah. So like, Brady, you need to shoot this deer. Didn't even know how big this deer was. Hmm. We saw a giant big frame, frame, laid down, started getting a digiscope, you know, pressed the trigger. Everything went perfectly. Deer fell down in the snow. And, uh, you know, kind of knew kind of where the deer was, but kind of you know, lost sight of him. Didn't know exactly what this deer was. Again, we turned around, it's that giant bear hug. Like, all that struggle yeah, throughout the whole right. week. You know, freezing our butts off, right. like making yeah. fires all the time, melting snow. I like to say th- that moment's like the only time when you ever see two dudes just completely. Yeah. Co- you lose it. I Everything know. you drop, all inhibitions, and you're yeah. just hugging like you, <laughs> your best. I mean, I know, just humongous bear hugs. We've been through the fire. Yeah. yeah, and we had every layer of clothes on, clothes yeah. on still. But like, we have enough time right now. Let's go. You know, start processing this buck. Yeah. We uh, loop all the way down there. I had a hard time trying to find the bucks. Now it's dark out mm. and this is deep snow everywhere. I'm just zigzagging back and forth. It's one of those situations where I was like, I hope I see the deer first. Yeah. I don't hope like no one else sees it and I can walk up to it. I saw the antler tine. I'm like, I got, I got the deer. He's laying there. Walk over to it. I'm like, oh my gosh, this deer is growing. It's getting bigger. It's getting bigger and bigger. All of a sudden I lift the rack out of the snow and it's the biggest deer I've ever seen in my really? life. Really? It, yeah, it's still this day, the biggest buck I've ever shot, over 200-inch mule deer. Whoa. Never knew it was that big, Jeez. but just had the big body, had the frame. Yeah. And, like, all that struggle throughout the whole week. The guys thinking we we're crazy for going backpacking over there, almost getting the truck buried until spring and having, you know, to share it with Neville at the same time. Yeah. And even though I wanted him to kill a deer so bad. Yeah. And this was, like, the night before, it was the second to last day of the season. Mm. So, like we just decided yeah that was pretty much it we're gonna ride that high and go out and then the whole time back we're like man i wonder what the warm toast would feel like (laughs) i wonder what a cheeseburger would taste like right now you start thinking about food you start thinking about everything we just wanted to get warm i bet but it was just like that struggle that enjoyment of sharing it with each other and like who filmed it uh that was a our old film guy mather Mather yeah Yeah, Mm. he's a super talented guy he's actually not from the hunting industry Seattle. Mm. yeah okay but he has he's really good at documentary stuff so he, he likes just to he take goes outside the the hunt doesn't want to put himself in it at all and just yeah. like to try to document it and just mm. be away from it and he's just really super talented and he makes all the music himself too mm. 
Like wow. he's strum on guitar, do little piano things. All the music you ever hear in our film, that's all him hmm. himself just making that music for it. And that's awesome. does all the editing and super talented guy. How do you feel about filming hunts? You've been doing it for a long time. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would rather just be by myself hunting. But <laughs> I think we all kind of feel yeah, the same way. It's uh but you know, when you get something to share and yeah. it can impact people. Yep. You know, that's great too. And because you want to share you know, what we do is so powerful and it is, as we've talked about, it can influence your life and change it in different ways. But to be able to share that if it's done right, you know, Brandlin, I've been pretty lucky. He's a great storyteller. Um, mm-hmm. And so it's uh, making something special that impacts people. It's pretty sweet. Yeah. It's a pain in the ass yeah. <laughs> filming, but, you know, so there's give and take to it. But. Do you ever go back and watch him and you're like man, I screwed that up. Like, why did I do that when, when I should have done this? Like um, I, as I'm watching back through my hunts, it seems like I'm always analyzing the entire hunt. Like, ah, oh, did I make the right move there? Did I bugle when I should have? Did I yeah. call? Um, I don't know. I, I, yeah, it, it just kind of is what it is. You yeah. know, the hunts, you're always going to have those, those moments you wish you would have done something different. Yeah. You know, when it works out, it just works out. But what I enjoy most is, I like the old stuff with me and Roy. Mm-hmm. Um, I like, I got, I got all that footage. So when I left Eastman's, uh, part of it was, you know, they they bought me out and gave me all my kill, all my old footage, cool. and we had so much with Roy, mm-hmm. and so I have that, and and it's like it now is very meaningful because you know he's gone. Yeah. So it's uh, I enjoy like we did on this last bear film is tying our old journey. It, it's kind of like what you did with Neville and his, you know, growing up, because when you've been doing this for 30 years, it's, it's a story, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, yeah, it's not just people have this, maybe who aren't involved, have this notion that maybe we're just doing this just to be on TV. But when you see that, or just to make a movie, but when you see you've been doing this for 30 years, you're like, people can be like, Oh, okay. This is what this (laughs) guy's about. This isn't just like to be, Insta famous or whatever yeah, the hell yeah. people might think. So I just like that. As we talked about the story, I like a film that tells the story yeah. in our lives, that story. And anytime you can tie that in and, and, uh, make it powerful. I love it. I don't, yeah. love, I don't like having a cameraman with me all the time, yeah. but, but whatever. He resonates with me when you talk about having that film or that footage with Roy. Mm-hmm. Cause like you would, ne- I mean, you, you, you don't anticipate that the worst is ever going to happen. And when you're, when you're going along, I mean, you don't ever anticipate that. Like you just think everybody's going to be there always, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, the ability that you have, you have that footage, like Mm -hmm. the the meaning that that holds for you now is infinitely, you couldn't measure it compared to what it was then, you know? Yeah, I know. So it's, I, I think about that too. I think it is kind of annoying to have a camera guy with you. And there's a little bit of, you know, I don't necessarily love the whole, that whole side of it, mm-hmm. but I mean, you never know, you never no. know when your number's up and like, no, I think it's the ability. F- I think, uh, I think about that, like it resonates with me, like for my friends, my family, my kids, you know, that'll live on forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, his legacy is, you know, some, some, you know, many people have said it, but the somebody dies twice essentially it's when they when they die and then when their name's spoken the last time Mm -hmm. and so i like 
I like people knowing how much of an impact he had on my life. And then when I watched us, we used to film everything and we just had the best time. And so when we'd watch the film, it would just be for fun. Mm -hmm. We'd just be yeah. like, you know, oh, this is awesome. Big bear. And like, and now I watch it and it has a whole different feel. Yeah. And now I watch it and it's, it's, it makes me sad. Sure. And just, you know, it's just like, uh, but I have it. And it's mm -hmm. just like, yeah, life sucks sometimes. And mm -hmm. that's okay. I can still see and remember how we were when we were young and how we got to where we are. And, you know, he's not here anymore, but I have that footage. And that's, you know, that's always going to be special. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so it's, it, it's changed. It's the same footage, but it just means something different now. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, which is something I don't. I don't think about when I'm out with a camera guy, you know, I, I'm not thinking about legacy when I'm filming me either. I'm thinking about why are you making so much noise? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> why did you screw that up for me? <laughs> yeah. So it's not really that deep or, or I, I got one for you. Yeah. Why do you never have any water? <laughs> why is it that no cameraman on planet earth can ever figure out their water situation? Yeah. It's like, okay, we have to go hunting in the morning. You don't have any water. Yeah. Well, guess when elk are active in the morning. Yeah. I don't want to go get water. Got to do your chores. <laughs> I know. I know. But, yeah. I mean, so aside from all that, it's like, if you think about it, how lucky are we to be able to, to do, you know, we, we love hunting yeah. and we're able to, I guess, make a living doing what we love. Mo most people like, and I said this today in my little talk, like where I came from, the closest you'd get to a positive affirmation in, in like the little town I lived was like, yeah, you're not the biggest fuck up I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And I was like. Thank you. Yeah. I, so, compliment? So, yeah. So when you can go from like most, most of the time, you know, you have some shitty job, you maybe drink some beer at night after work, you drink beer on the weekend, then you go back to your shitty job on Monday. So that's the existence of a lot of people. Mm -hmm. On the flip side, look what we're doing. We're talking about hunting. We're talking about what we love. Yeah, we've, we've lost some friends and it's been hard and life sucks sometimes. But we're still here doing what we love, yeah. spending time around amazingly positive people today in an incredible environment. It's like, it's really tough to complain. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we're blessed. I think this is like, I mean, it, it just feels, I feel really lucky to mm -hmm. be sitting here. Even to be talking to you guys about, you know, go hunt and about the day and about our journey coming up as hunters. It's like, I don't know. It's... um I don't want to take it for granted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is likewise. This yeah. is, um, we're at a special place. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, I want to, you know, I know you guys were busy all day today. I know you got to fly home tomorrow. It means a lot to me that you would agree to do the podcast, sit down and talk when there's plenty of other things to do, get some rest. Um, so thank you very much. It's, uh, you know, yeah. it, it means a lot that you do this. I, I appreciate you guys. Likewise. I mean, I, I bought backcountry bow hunting. And <laughs> oh yeah, I, everyone everyone has that. I mean, yeah. I went I went bivy hunting back then based on your recommendation. You know, mm -hmm. I so it was it was a cool opportunity to meet you and to come up and I think you know speaking for Go Hunt, you know we're we're super pleased that we had the opportunity to come up and be a part of it. And I mean, I hope today and all the people that we talked to, even though we went a mile a minute, 
I hope there was something that those guys picked up that they can use to, to put it towards their own adventure. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hear one negative word all day Yeah. from however many people were there. Not one negative word about anything. Yep. Yeah. So whatever you guys did, it worked. We, we talked. We talked a lot. <laughs> That's yeah. more than I'll talk in a month. Yeah. But you know, we had a guy there from Eugene Weekly, which is like the most liberal paper in town, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, huh. he was there all day. Mm-hmm. So you know, there was some people who had reservations about they're going to write a hit piece on hunting because they. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Yep. This is a college town. It's you know not a lot of it's a lot of, not a lot of hunters up for the university. So he was. I just think if nothing else, he's going to feel how passionate we are, mm-hmm. how much we care, how how important this is to our lives. So because mm-hmm. nobody there could take anything other than that away from it. Yep. Yep. So yeah, you can talk about hunters and why would you kill innocent animals or that. Somebody who doesn't know and they see that what we did today, it's going to be like, I don't know about hunting, but these guys are very serious and very passionate. They're into it. (laughs) They're into it. So I don't know how the article is going to be, but he was there. All day he worked out. He shot a bow. Yeah, I saw him shoot a bow. Oh, really? yeah. that was really cool. He shot. Man, nobody that shoots a bow is gonna walk away no. from that. Hey, he's, he's probably hooked. I There's asked no him. Chance. I said, I go. So, are you, is this gonna be a hit piece or anything? And he's like, No, no. This has been. A, he's gonna beat the race tomorrow. He's gonna oh, run right the 10K. On. So it's like, when we can have you know a connection like that, you don't have to be some rough, tough, badass hunter yeah. to be welcome into our, you know, the little click that we have. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, it doesn't matter. You're welcome. Yep. Here's what we do. Here's why we love mm-hmm. it. What do you think? Mm-hmm. To me, that's that's a big deal. Yeah, it's a yeah. huge win. And you guys were part of that. And I'm, I'm, you know, I'm very grateful. And I'm very grateful for this time. Thank you very much. Appreciate Thank you. you. All right, you guys, go check out Go Hunt, and uh, check out Brady and Trail and. We'll, uh, we'll keep hammering here. Thanks. <laughs> Cabela's and Bass Pro Shops is a sponsor of the podcast. And that's especially powerful for me because I remember when Cabela's came to town, came to Springfield, Oregon, and I actually played a role in the opening of that store. Instead of cutting the grand opening ribbon with scissors, I shot it with an arrow. And it was just a monumental thing. I mean, everybody here in town was talking about, hey, are you going to go to Cabela's? Can you believe Cabela's is coming here to Springfield, Oregon? So I know what a staple those giants in the industry are. And it's actually, it's one of the first places people go when they're looking to get geared up to be to become a hunter is they go to Cabela's and buy everything they need. So I'm very excited that we've partnered together and we can help open up those outdoor and hunting opportunities to listeners of this podcast. Mountain Ops offers the best supplements on the market and functional gear for athletes and hunters. Their Battleground Merino garments are some of the best I have found. I've chosen to support a company that supports the community. A portion of every sale on Mountain Ops website, www.mountainops.com, goes to help feed a family in need. Use my code KEEPHAMMERING for 20% off your first purchase and also receive free shipping.